True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya Tanakas, Fakakta, Jag like Michael Waka Polanco and Franco Kokomo Friday, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today, presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. Frank Stample joined by the solo podcast host extraordinaire, Scott White. The, the people loved you, Scott. The soothing voice the other day. We got so many tweets and emails. I know. I, I was told I could put babies to sleep. I think he meant it as a compliment. <laughs> I think so, too. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was fun. It was, um, the people were kind, the people were kind in my moment of, of, uh, improvisation. And, uh, I, re- I relied heavily on your notes, Frank, because I wouldn't have no idea where to go next if I didn't have that as a blueprint for me. Well, I appreciate that, Scott. And I mentioned on yesterday's podcast that that was probably the first time you looked at my notes since we started working together. i do pull them up when we're going through emails at least because you know people list off like six names and how am i supposed to remember them all to answer the question yeah no i i don't pull them up every time i happen to have pulled them up that time and it made made me think i should pull them up more often frankly it's it's all good man you you are a professional you don't need my notes they're all they're just for me to look at anyway. Today on the show, we have our week seven pitcher and hitter planners. We're gonna talk about some struggling players. What do we do with them? Did you know? Got a few interesting facts for you. Interesting stats, rather. And we have some fantasy justice for all questions. Before we get to oh my goodness gracious, Scott, I've gotta let you opine on your man, John Means, the guy threw a no-hitter you weren't on yesterday's podcast. So anything that you would like to say, congratulate, where you're moving up to in the rankings. What do you got? So I had moved him up to 36th in my starting pitcher rankings before the start. I should have moved him up more. I haven't done it yet, but uh, I was just looking at it here before we went on. I think I want him more than even like Kenta Maeda at this point. Mm. Um, but that's more, so that, that's a combination of Kenta Maeda just not looking like the pitcher yeah. he was last year too, right? Well, sure. I mean, Kenta Maeda had him in the top twelve originally, but yeah. that that moves means into the top thirty. And and like, there's 
argument to make him and Kevin Gosman, who I have in that range, Dylan Bundy, who I have in that range, Sandy Alcantara, who I have in that range. I mean, I could see moving him past all those guys up to 26, just behind Carlos Rodon. I don't know. Frankly, frankly, I'm a little stunned it's gone quite this well. And certainly he's found a new gear here, his last two starts in, in every respect, right down to the swinging strike rate. He hasn't had quite the velocity. He hasn't maintained quite the velocity jump he showed last year. It's been pointed out that you know when he was at his highest last year, it seemed to compromise his command. So maybe he's settled in the perfect spot. But really, just the way the changeup has taken off. That was... That was another gear he found uh, that has allowed him to to really to really jump into the the ace conversation here. Um, and he's such a good control pitcher on top of it. I don't know. It's uh, it's exciting stuff. I'm, I would not would not really be interested in selling high on him. Somebody suggested to to me. Well, somebody told me that they had traded. Uh, they had just traded him for Lucas Giolito. Okay, if you can sell that high, <laughs> you know I'm not. I'm not moving. I'm not moving means into my top ten where Lucas Giolito is. But like, for the most part, I'm just really happy to have John Means and John. He's a man of means. <laughs> Absolutely, I had to mix it up it. there. Absolutely crushing it, it right now. Thing. Yeah, like the John Means business, like everyone's all over it now. So even I... I know, and they don't even know where it came from. It came from me. It came I from started. Scott, man. We he started it. We were man. talking about that back in, I don't know, October, November. His changeup, according to pitch values on Fangraphs, rates out as the best changeup in all of baseball. So it really has just elevated his entire game. Again, John Means, I do think, look, some regression is going to come. He's not going to pitch to a sub-2 ERA all season. He has a 100% strand rate at this point, Scott, and he still does pitch in Camden Yards. He's a fly ball pitcher, so there will be some regression, uh, but that's pretty obvious. Let's get into the oh-my-goodness-gracious players from Thursday. Oh, my good goodness gracious! All right, Scott, where would you like to start following John Means? So, how about another lefty who doesn't throw all that hard, but he does throw harder than he used to, and that's Madison Bumgarner, who had another just great start. I mean, these these aren't just okay. He he looks he looks like he might be okay. He starts from from Madison Bumgarner, of course. With one was the seven inning non no hitter, so obviously that would look great. But in this one, two hits in six innings. Against the Marlins, okay, kind of an easy matchup, but that's a string of four starts for Madison Bumgarner, where not only has his velocity been back to basically to pre twenty twenty levels to to where he was his last couple years in San Francisco when he was still obviously a fantasy asset, and not so not only has the velocity been back up for Madison Bumgarner, but the actual performance um, in those four starts, just three earned runs allowed, just eight hits allowed in those 23 innings across those four starts. And he's even getting whiffs, had 15 on his 85 pitches against the Marlins today. You know, the, the last outing was against the Rockies outside of Coors Field, right? So, you know, that's another very easy matchup, obviously. But before that, it was the Braves, then he no-hit. I mean, they're the fifth-best team in the majors in OPS. Um, it was the Nationals, 
who were at least middle of the pack in offense. It was, you know, it, it's not like he's just beating up on bottom feeders. And that, as I've said before, even if he did, doing it four straight, I mean, that's that's still a string of good luck if you're not a very good pitcher. I think Bumgarner's figured it out. I think he's figured it out. I think he's back to being a mixed league asset. He has two matchups this upcoming week. He's a two-star pitcher. And um, I think everybody needs to get him active. He's going against these Marlins again and against the Nationals. Yep. So a, a team that he two teams that he's looked great now against during this four game span. And he's maybe out there in ten team leagues. He's seventy nine percent rostered on CBS. If he's out there, make sure to get him on your team. And I, I think he can come close to what he did back in 2019, 3.90 ERA, 1.13 whip, almost a strikeout per inning. The way that he's pitching right now, I don't I don't think that that would be egregious to say. So Madison Bumgarner, someone who's also rising up the rankings. We've got to move him up, Scott. I'm trying to think. How far do we move up Madison Bumgarner? I, I, I'd rather have him than Patrick Corbin, right? I mean, that's always kind of the yeah. measuring stick, right? I have Patrick Corbin at 60, and it's like, if I want this play, all right, he moves inside already the top past 60. Corbin. I'm, he's way past. Okay. Way past Corbin. Um, Would you rather have Bumgarner or Robbie Ray, who has also looked very good over his last, I believe it's three starts now. Yeah, I think I got to take Robbie Ray there. Agreed. But, uh, I, you know, I think Madison Bumgarner in like the Michael Pineda range seems about right. I think, you know, I think both of them are going to have, um, you know, fall a little short in the strikeout area. But they're going to give you some volume. The whip should be pretty low. So, yeah, I think moving him right inside my top 60, probably ahead of like Sean Manaya. Yeah, I think in between Tyone and, and Michael Pineda where I, is where I would slot Bumgarner. So that would make him 56th for me. Mm-hmm. That, that seems like a good spot. I would take him ahead of Herman Marquez, who has just been a disaster recently. But mm-hmm. I, I think I'd still rather have Danny Duffy, Sean Manaya, yep. two guys that have looked really good so far this season. I, I seem to like Manaya a little bit more than... Everybody yeah, else, but, but that's the same range. Duffy's yeah. just a few spots ahead. Dylan Cease is would be ahead of Madison Bumgarner for me just because of the upside play there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we're I think that's about the right area. Let's talk about another lefty. A lot of lefty talks early in the podcast today. Andrew Heaney going up against the Tampa Bay Rays. He's my oh my goodness gracious player from Thursday. Six and two thirds shutout, two hits, one walk, ten strikeouts, eighteen swinging strikes on. 110 pitches. Joe Madden letting Andrew Heaney throw a ton of pitches in this start. 12 of those swinging strikes came on his fastball. And I will point out, going up against Tampa Bay, they are second in baseball. In They have the second highest swinging strike rate in baseball. And they are 19th in weighted on base average against lefties. So it's a pretty good matchup for Andrew Heaney. I just, it's hard for me to figure out what to say or do with him, Scott. I, I would say to add him, he is 66% rostered. But this is kind of what he does. He's going to give you a lot of strikeouts. He's inconsistent at times. He has four starts with two earned runs or less. He's a two-faced, Frank. He's not just inconsistent. He's a total two-faced. Everybody in the world started Andrew Heaney last week against the Mariners. Exactly. And what happened? And it was a good... Three home runs. It was so a good everybody matchup, benched him. But we can't ignore a 14.8% swinging strike rate. You know, Scott, it's... It would rank 11th among starting pitchers <laughs> if he qualified. It's, like, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. That's real. That'd be really good for a closer. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obvious. I don't think he's. It's going to stay that high all season. So that's that's the first thing. You know, Heaney has a two seventy six xFIP. That's amazing as well. And really, it is just like I know the history here. And so when I see him have a start like last time, where he gives up three home runs, it's like, oh, here we go, old old Andrew Heaney at it again. Um, but xFIP takes into account fly ball rate. Uh, rather than home run rate, it kind of normalizes uh, all fly balls, which is why I've gone to favoring XFIP versus FIP, which just strictly accounts for the home runs in an era where it's so easy to hit home runs. I thought fly ball was a better indicator of a pitch- pitcher's potential to give up home runs than his actual home run rate was. So, you know, kind of an aside. That's why I go with XFIP now instead of FIP. But anyway, the XFIP is below three. The swinging strike rate, I imagine, is a career high. Yeah, though it's, you know, it's always, he's always had a good one of those. I don't know. I, now he's, he's somebody you might consider selling high on. Cause I, I, it's going to be difficult for me to have that level of trust in Heaney, particularly if you already have a lot of pitching depth. Like if you don't have much pitching depth and, and, you know, you're struggling to fill those pitcher spots every week, I think, you know, you don't have to play this game where you're moving Heaney in and out of the lineup based on the way his last start went, mm-hmm. you know? And and so that's probably the ideal scenario. But if you just know you're not going to be able to be that disciplined with him, and I don't blame you. I mean, look at his ERAs year by year. It's he's never had one below four. Oh, he has had one below four back in 2015. But anyway, yeah. No, I think Heaney's somebody you could consider selling high on. Would you rather have Heaney or Robbie Ray? Both are rostered in under 70% of CBS leagues. I think I'd rather have Robbie Ray. Like I think. You know, if you're just presenting their numbers uh, to the marketplace, people sh- should say he needs more valuable. But I just, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have trouble trusting him. No, I like, agree. I, so I, I don't necessarily think you should drop Heaney for Ray if you're presented with that choice. I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. But like, if you're given the choice to trade away one or the other, I'd rather trade away Heaney. An honorable mention for the oh my goodness gracious to Zach Wheeler up against the Brewers. He threw a shutout, three hits, eight strikeouts to zero walk, 16 swinging strikes on 118 pitches. Another manager here, Joe Girardi, just letting Zach Wheeler go. Wheeler has thrown over 100 pitches in four of seven starts this season. The ERA is down to 2.83. The whip is down to 0.97. And like many pitchers in baseball, Zach Wheeler is throwing his slider more than ever before. It's not a crazy number. Like these other guys are throwing it 40, 50% of the time. He's throwing it 23%, but it is up a little bit from the rest of his career. So shout out to Zach Wheeler. He's been, uh, he's been very good so far this season. Before we get to news and notes, just wanted to let you know about what's on CBS Sports HQ next week. As always, CBS Sports HQ is your home to start your sports news day with live updates kicking off each morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. And HQ is always your home ahead of the evening's action with live picks from the best analysts and cappers in the sports world each day at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. On Wednesday next week, NFL experts will be breaking down the 2021 schedule and our cappers will be making Preakness picks ahead of Saturday's race. So check out HQ on your computer on cbsports.com or via the CBS Sports app on your mobile phone or TV. It's always free. It's always on CBS Sports HQ. News and notes. Byron Buxton left Thursday's game early and was diagnosed with a hip strain. He is currently day-to-day and... 
things are just popping up now, Scott. It's, I'm rooting for the guy. He's really fun to watch, but we just can't ignore that things seem to pop up with Byron Buxton more than they do with most players, right? The average player in baseball. So hopefully he's all right, but this is the risk with Byron Buxton. Steven Strasburg threw 35 pitches in a simulated game on Thursday. Manager Dave Martinez declined to give a timetable for his return. The Angels released future Hall of Famer Albert Pujols on Thursday. He was batting just 198 this season, but apparently still wants to play. Scott, how does this affect the Angels? It seems like they just want Jared Walsh in the lineup more consistently. He's going to play first base. Uh, as of now, they have well, Juan Lagares in right field, but is well, this that's a- the thing. They 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 have had Walsh in the lineup consistently already in in right field, yeah. and he was doing fine out there. It seemed like um, I was watching the game just before, and they really like his defense at first base. He made a nice play yeah, on a double play too, so he's probably that's fine. I'm sure he's better at first base than he is in right field, yeah. but. I don't. I find it hard to believe that's the reason they let Pujols go. And when you consider uh, they have two outfield prospects knocking on the door, Joe Adele, of course, the being the biggest one, Brandon Marsh as well. It, it makes you wonder if they're plotting a move there. Now, I, I would be kind of surprised if Joe Adele got called up in the next week, as bad as he was last year. I think. You know, I'm I'm not looking at it like a Jared Kelnick situation, like a Wander Franco situation where it could basically be any day now. But I don't know. I mean, they have better ways of evaluating Adele than I do and the progress he's made. And he looked better at the plate this spring. So I don't know. Uh, I wonder also if they want to give somebody like uh, Taylor Ward a shot who has had good minor league numbers the past few years. And... um was great this spring, and, and obviously they, he's the one who actually got called up. I I think he's pretty interesting. Taylor Ward, former catcher prospect. They've since moved into third base and since moved into the outfield, and he just hasn't quite gotten that extended look as an everyday player in the big leagues. It's just the stars haven't aligned for him. I think he's he's getting, he's getting up there in age. He's 27 or 28 now, um, and maybe they want to give him a chance. They want to see what he can do before eventually turning it over to Adele unless Ward doesn't let them do that because he's taken off. So uh, he could steal some bases a little bit. So he's interesting. I'm not saying he's 12-team material or even 15-team material, but if if he does start getting at-bats for the Angels, I will want to monitor him. Yeah, he is pretty interesting. He's 27 years old now, former first-round pick back in 2015. Taylor Ward is who we're talking about. And his last two minor league seasons... An OPS over 1,000 back in 2019 with 11 steals. That was in the PCL with the juice ball. But in 2018, he hit 349, 14 homers, 18 steals, 977 OPS. So just tuck that name away on your scout team for now, your watch list, whatever you call it. And Taylor Ward, someone to pay attention to. Uh, Brandon Marsh, someone you mentioned there, Scott, one of the top prospects in the organization. He's an outfielder. He isn't debuting in the minors until mid-May due to a shoulder injury. So... Yeah, everything you said about Adele, I would double down on that for Marsh. I think they're going to be pretty cautious with him. And if we see him, I don't think it's until June, probably July even. So I think they're going to be patient with Brandon Marsh. Any leagues where you should be stashing Joe Adele right now, Scott? Oh, well, any 15-teamer for sure. I would say, let's see. I think any 12-team category league or deeper with five outfielders, I would stash him. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking like 350 players rostered or more. 
Adele should be among them. It sounded like Carlos Carrasco was getting close to returning, and then the Mets shifted him to the 60-day IL on Thursday, which means Carrasco cannot return until May 31st at the earliest. MLB Network's John Morosi reported that Mariners prospect Jared Kelnick isn't likely to debut in the majors until late May. More on Kelnick coming up in just a little bit. Gio Urshela left Thursday's game with a knee injury and is headed for an MRI. So if you play in any leagues where you can shift your lineup for the weekend, I know a lot of NFBC leagues do that and a few other leagues as well. Uh, Gio Urshela, you might want to get him out of your lineup. Hyunjin Ryu made his return from the IL. He gave up four runs over five innings against the A's, but did wind up with the win. Chris Davis, with a K, started a rehab assignment on Thursday. Scott, do you think this will affect Willie Calhoun's playing time, who just continues to mash? He had two more hits and a walk. He is batting 328. I doubt it. Not in a significant way. They've been playing, they've played Willie Calhoun a couple times in the outfield, and they're willing to do that. Why wouldn't they be right there? They're a rebuilding club. So, yeah, no, I, I doubt it'll affect Willie Calhoun's playing time much. Wilson Ramos exited Thursday's game with lower back tightness. Gene Segura will be activated off the aisle on Friday for the Phillies. Both Jazz Chisholm and Yadier Molina were cleared to resume baseball activities for their respective teams. Giants pitcher Tyler Beatty is starting a rehab assignment at AAA as he returns from Tommy John surgery. He isn't eligible to come off the IL until late May. And Tyler Beatty, Scott, he was kind of a sleeper candidate last year before he needed Tommy John surgery before the whole season got shut down and there was some excitement for him. So are you doing anything with, with Tyler Beatty? Probably only in deeper leagues. I mean, there was excitement for him in like a deep league. Maybe this could be a deep sleeper kind of guy uh, in, in that respect. So coming back from Tommy John surgery and not even his first Tommy John surgery I'm going to need to see a whole lot before I get excited about Tyler Beattie again. Max Stassi was placed on the seven-day IL with a concussion and a few prospect updates. I mentioned Jared Kelnick. He homered off of a lefty in his first game at AAA. So I don't know, John Morosi. Maybe it's a little bit sooner than late May. We're all hoping so. Well, I'm, I'm trying to find where you saw that. Um, and I, I the, all, all I'm finding is, including one of John Morosi's own tweets, he's saying, Likely t- to debut later this month. Now that that open that you know you could interpret that a few different. Later this month is in that could be tomorrow. The later the later <laughs> portion of this month or later this month as in some day beyond May seventh. You know, like you could interpret that either way, right? I would agree with that. I did not double check the tweet myself. I scroll through CBS's player news updates and that's where I get a lot of my news items from. So uh, blame them, Scott. Well, no, I'm not blaming you. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> no, I knew, no, I knew when the words were coming out of my mouth, that's what it sounded like. I didn't mean it that way. No, no, it's cool. I just, uh, I hope he comes to, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he well, does. Cause, Cause Jerry DePoto, the Mariners GM said earlier today about Jared Kelnick. Uh, let me see if I can find that. I can find. Okay, so he said it's time to take a look at Kelnick, and that's coming sooner than later. Again, there's not really much specificity there, but like I don't know. I'm interpreting it as every day now. He, he said a couple weeks ago they wanted to see him show some improvement against left-handed pitchers, and so far he's acing that test <laughs> at the uh, alternate training site. Was how he put it. 
I think they're dropping some hints here. It's going to be real soon. Jared Kelnick is 76% roster on CBS, likely not out there in any leagues, but just in case, get Jared Kelnick on your team. Giants outfield prospect Elliot Ramos has homered in two straight at double-A, and he had a great spring training as well. Yankees first-round pick in 2020, Austin Wells. He's a catcher-outfielder hybrid. He's gone four for nine with a home run, five RBI, five runs, and a stolen base through two games. Where? At low A ball. So we're not going to see him anytime soon. Email of the day. This is from Rosendo. If I wanted to move Shohei Otani in a league where he is one player that you either use at utility or at starting pitcher each week, more often than not, I'm guessing you're going to use him at utility, uh, what should I target? How do you value him in a trade? Otani, of course, on Thursday, hit his 10th home run of the season. He's batting 266 with 22 runs scored, 24 RBI, 6 steals. He's averaging 3.9 fantasy points per game, which is tied for 12th among hitters. So, points league, roto, it doesn't matter. He's been awesome. He has the third highest max exit velocity this season, the highest barrel rate in baseball. He's got a 303 expected batting average, 698 expected slug. The guy's amazing, Scott. I, I would go as far as to say I think Otani is the most fun player to watch in baseball right now. But mm-hmm. what do you yeah. do? How, how do you, if you're trying to sell high on him, you should be able to ask for a decent bid. Yeah, uh, you should. You should trade him. Uh, you you have to value him according to who he is as a hitter. Um, because if, you, if you're not going to get pitcher production, I, I understand it. It actually adds to his value to have that little bit of flexibility. But like, as things stand now, nobody's going to use that flexibility. They're just going to start him as a hitter. So I don't think it's reasonable to expect to 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 value him beyond his value as a hitter. Now, that being said, he's been an awesome hitter. And, you know, despite his him being tied for 12th among hitters in, in a points league, I, I think he holds a lot more value in categories leagues because the plate discipline really is not very good. And a, a big part of his value is that he runs so much. He's up to six steals already. And um, that power-speed combo in a roto league... You know, it's hard to find. It's hard to find. It's very important. So, I don't know. You, I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to target somebody really good. Like I'm thinking, Kyle Tucker's been the go-to with outfielders, right? Uh, when you're selling high on a guy and you're buying, you know, the combo buy low, sell high. You're buying low on Tucker. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't do it, Scott. I, I, I want to do it either. You got to. You got to go higher than that. So that's a top 15 outfielder for me. Uh, I don't think I'd trade Otani for Springer. I don't think I'd trade him nope. for like Judge. Nope. If he was eligible in the outfield, if he was eligible in the outfield, I'm thinking he's top five right now. I don't think I'd trade Cody Bellinger for him or Christian Yelich. <laughs> Wait, I, I don't think I'd trade him for Cody Bellinger. No, I understand Yelich. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I think the only yeah. way you're trying to trade Otani right now, Scott is if you have a lot of holes. And there might be teams that do have a lot of holes with all the injuries that are going on. We spoke about this yesterday with Chris. And there's, uh, he said there was more people placed on the IL in April this year than the last two Aprils combined. So hmm. it's like, like there is a crazy amount of, of teams, fantasy teams that have injuries and holes. So if I have Otani on a team where I'm struggling elsewhere, I would try to get, you know, two starting viable worthy players. And, two players that are like really good at a position, maybe, you know, a top 15 outfielder and a top 20 starting pitcher, something like that. Like, yeah, well, if you're, let's say 
you could probably trade Otani for like a Kyle Tucker and Luis Castillo, maybe a Carlos Rodon with him. Yeah. I was thinking Luis Castillo. Do you think you could get Castillo and Kyle Tucker in a two for one, giving up your Otani in a Roto league? I don't think that's a, a crazy ask. Do I think I'd want to? <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is if you have holes, you know, Scott, How good's my so. pitching already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's a reasonable ask. I, I think it could maybe even aim higher is what I'm saying with the pitcher. Yeah. So look, the way that basically if the season ended today or if we were playing out a two month season like we did last year, Shohei Otani might be a, a second or third round pick in next season's fantasy baseball draft. So that's, you know, currently what we're valuing him as. And of course, he comes with injury risk. A lot of people do, but the guy is playing like one of the 10, 15 best hitters in fantasy baseball right now. So you should be able to ask for the world for Shohei Otani. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to get to the week seven pitcher and hitter planners here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Let's jump into the week seven pitcher and hitter planners presented by Lining Kugels. How is the schedule shaking out for next week? Well, nine teams have seven games, 18 teams have six games, and three lonely teams only play five games next week. The Chicago Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the New York Mets. By my estimation, the must-start hitters on those teams, Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, and Will Smith. Notice, I didn't mention any Mets. So I, I just I think they're kind of fringy right now, the way that they're playing, and they only have five games, Scott. So between I put Chris Taylor in this mix too. Chris Taylor for five games and all the Mets hitters. Do you have to keep them in your lineup? No. No. I mean the one. I mean, it's a question of how shallow the league is, of course. In a five-outfielder league, am I sitting Michael Conforto? No. Can't no. imagine doing that. Uh, in, a, in a league with a middle infield spotted, I think it'd be hard to imagine you have a, a way to not start Lindor. I know he's been awful, but there aren't there are only so many shortstops to go around. But if you're talking about a head-to-head lineup with only three outfield spots and just one spot around the infield, then... Yeah, you could you could be a little more could be a little more judicious, I guess. Discerning. Yeah, with the Mets hitters. I thought you were gone again for a second. I, no, I mean I can leave, Scott, PTSD. if you want. <laughs> uh let's jump into some of those two star pitchers, Scott, that you like heading into week seven. Who you got? Okay, so it's actually a good week for two star pitchers that might actually be available in your league. Uh Robbie Ray. We just talked about earlier, coming off an amazing start, and really two of his last three have been great. He's looking the best he's looked since 2017 when he was a fantasy ace, more or less. Uh, 
at Atlanta versus Philadelphia, you know, matchups aren't anything to write home about, but the bottom line is I think he's a really good pitcher and he's making two starts. Adbert Alzali, now he's available in 65% of CBS Sports Leagues. Widely, widely available, and it needs to change. I think it'll change over the weekend because his matchups at Cleveland, at Detroit, it doesn't get better than Detroit. De- Detroit is a distant last in team OPS right now, so matchups don't get any better than that. And then Cleveland's a pretty good matchup too. Madison Bumgarner, who we mentioned earlier, Marlins and Nationals. Brady Singer... He gets the tiger for one of his the the tigers. That's not just one tiger. It's twenty six of them. He gets the tigers for one of his two starts, and the White Sox for the other. Jordan Montgomery, who he had one good start at the beginning of the season, right? He's been been pretty Man. blah, but at Tampa Bay, that's fine. At Baltimore, that's really good. It's available in 32% of leagues. I can keep going. It's a really good week for two-star pitchers here. Luis Garcia, now he's 85% available. He's kind of the the deeper league play, I guess. Uh, but I actually, you know, he's, he's probably going to be like seventh for me in my sleeper hitters, sleeper pitchers for this week. Luis Garcia gets the Angels. Okay, that's not so great. He gets the Rangers. That's really good. I just like, I think there's a lot of swing and miss there. I'm not sure how often he's going to go five innings, much less six, but like the strikeout ability for Luis Garcia. JT Brubaker, Cincinnati and San Francisco. Really good with the ground ball rate there. Uh, those are probably the only ones worth highlighting. I think, I think I've exhausted the list. Let me see if there are any borderline calls among those who are rostered in a lot of leagues. Uh, okay, so... Dylan Cease, you get him for two starts right away. One of them, Kansas City. That's pretty good. Alex Wood, he survived that game at Coors Field, and now he gets the Rangers and Pirates. Mm, love that. As his reward. Yep. Too late to pick him up. Maybe not in the Yahoo or ESPN League, but CBS, it's too late to pick him up. Oh, here's an interesting one. Chris Bassett at Boston, distant number one in OPS, and at Minnesota. I think you probably start him. I think so too. He's pitching really well. Yeah, but that's, those are tough matchups. For sure. Uh, what about Nathan Avaldi? We haven't talked about his start today. He he lines up for two next week, and the matchups are less than favorable. Oakland and the Angels. Uh, three of his last four starts, Avaldi has uh, has been bad. I think four earned runs or more in three of his last four starts. Yep, that's correct. Yeah, ERA rising from 208 to 462 during that time. Now, I still have him as a start. I'm not that worried about Evaldi. Still a 328 XFIP on the year. That's really good. Like a mid-threes XFIP. You know, a, a stat that normalizes in that way to get mid-threes ERAs. I, I consider that to be pretty good. So to have a low threes ERA, uh, low threes XFIP, 328, that's really good. Still, uh, still a good swinging strike rate on the year. You know, I, I don't really, I, I still see a lot to like in Evaldi, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting him for a two start week. But I could understand with those matchups why he might be a little reluctant. I still rank him in my two start pitcher rankings. I still had him ahead of some of those sleepers I mentioned. I have him ahead of Brady Singer and Jordan Montgomery and Luis Garcia and JT Brubaker. So just keep that in mind. I do have him behind Alzali if you want to pick up Alzali and start him instead of. Nate Evaldi. 
Yeah, it seemed like Evaldi got babbipped a little bit on Thursday. He only allowed three hard-hit balls against the Tigers, but somehow still gave up six earned runs. So I didn't get to check in on that game, but seems like he was a little bit unlucky. The underlying numbers for Valdi still really good this season. So those are some two-star pitchers you can look at. Scott, how about a few single-star pitchers that might be available that you're looking at? All right, so this isn't a very interesting group by comparison. I only have two one-star pitchers in my top 10 sleeper hitters. <laughs> top 10 sleeper pitchers for Week 7. I only have two one-star guys. And one of them is Taiwan Walker, who barely makes the cut 79% roster ship. He had uh, his best start of the season today, right? Seven innings, only one hit. One hit allowed, no earned runs, eight strikeouts. The whiff rate's not very good. The walk rate's not very good. The ground ball rate's not very good. Um, he still has a 397 XFIP, which I think could be a lot worse considering. But I don't know. He's he's a guy who's kind of defied the usual metrics for... He, he certainly did all of last year. So with a start against Baltimore, I'd definitely be comfortable running him out there. And then Johnny Cueto, he comes off the IL this weekend, Sunday. So we'll get to see if he makes it through that start okay. If he does, next week he'll, he'll be at Pittsburgh, which of course is a is another great matchup. All right, so let's move on from the sleeper pitchers and let's get some sleeper hitters, Scott. These are names that are rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues. Who are you looking at for week seven? Okay, so I think I recommend him every other week, but CJ Crone has actually been hitting better the past couple weeks and uh, Rockies are home for all seven games. And uh, like I said, Coors, it's, it's getting warmer there. It's starting to play more like Coors. I think CJ Crone is the top guy to look at. Of the seven pitchers they're facing, six are, are righties. So Dom Nunez, definitely want to get him in the lineup. Garrett Hampson, Rymel Tapia, who's been hot, like a lot of Rockies this week. The Giants are one of the two teams. Uh, no, they don't visit course. Never mind. But the Giants have good matchups as well. I like uh, Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt from their lineup. Uh, so who is visiting the Rockies? It's the Padres. I don't have any of those. And the Reds. Yeah, I don't have any of those either. Yeah, not a good time to... Not not too good... Ro- those aren't good rosters for picking sleeper hitters, apparently. A couple of hot hand plays here that I like because of their splits. Andrew Benintendi. Of course, he's been on a roll lately. The Royals are, fi- are scheduled to face six righties in their seven games. Uh, but really, it's it's the fact that they're on the road. If you look at his home away splits for this year, Benintendi's done much better on the road. Maybe it's just because he happened to get hot when they were on a road trip, but Kansas City not known for being a great place to hit. I think it's a little little extra reason to consider using him. Andrew McCutcheon tends to do much better against lefties. Phillies have four of those on the schedule. And uh, he's been showing some signs of coming around. So I like Andrew McCutcheon this week as well. Alrighty, there you have it. And while we were while we're on it, we'll just mention the five teams with the best hitter matchups: the Reds, the Astros, the Giants, the Padres, and the Rockies. We mentioned quite a few of those already. And the five teams with the worst hitter matchups in Week Seven would be the Mariners, the Cardinals, the Mets, the Brewers, and the Dodgers. So there you go, the Week Seven pitcher and hitter planners presented by Line and Kugels, and it's May seventh. I'm still waiting for the weather to heat up here in New York. It's supposed to be 50 degrees raining this weekend. What is going on? Anyway, you know what makes me feel like I'm sitting poolside 
on a warm, sunny day. A lining Kugel's Summer Shandy. It's this awesome blend of crisp beer with refreshing lemonade that fits perfectly when watching some baseball. And the Summer Shandy isn't all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a crisp German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories. And if you're into IPAs, Line & Kugels offers their Lemon Haze IPA, which is a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade. So no matter what type of beverage you are craving, Line & Kugels has you covered. Just head over to liney.com, that's L-E-I-N-I-E.com, or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all the delicious beers that they brew. What do we do with these struggling players? Let's start things off with Carlos Correa, who is 0 for 19 over his last five games, and the batting average is now down to 254. Scott, any consideration with benching Carlos Correa? Would you be looking to buy him if you don't have him on your team? Oh, I'd be looking to buy him. Yeah. Agreed. 100%. No, I, I, I think, gosh, so how many games has he been in a slump, you said? His last five, he's 0 for 19. Okay. Well, that'll happen this early in the season. You go 0 for 19, it'll it'll put a dent in your batting average, but it's worth pointing out, less than a week ago, he was batting 303. That's the other side of the coin. Yep. And nobody should have had any reason to worry about Carlos Correa. So, yeah, no, I, I think Carlos Correa is fine. I think he's on the path to having an, a good rebound season. I'm not saying he's going to be a top five shortstop like we used to see him be, but I would still bet on top 12, certainly, and probably top 10. Even with that 254 batting average, his XBA, according to StatCast, stands at 307. His expected slug is 497. So certainly looks like Carlos Correa is bouncing back so far this season. It's a contract year for him as well, if you're into that kind of narrative. Alec Bohm, he hit his fourth home run on Thursday. And the counting stats look all right. 14 runs scored, 16 RBI, two steals, but he's only batting 219. Scott, you were a big fan of Bohm last year coming into the season, what you saw in the minor leagues, but then you saw you thought that the price coming into this year was too high. He was like a top 110, 120 pick in drafts mm-hmm. this season. What is going on with mm-hmm. Alec Bohm's batting average so far? Well, he has been hitting the ball really hard. He has an X an expected batting average XBA of 277, so much higher than his actual season mark. Uh, So I guess that's reason to be encouraged, right? But a big part of what makes, what should make Alec Bohm tick is how disciplined a hitter he is. A lot of walks, a lot of strikeouts in the minors. It had me uh, comparing him to guys like, I don't know, the, the extreme best case outcome was Probably like Anthony Rendon. Not the most likely outcome, but you know, the extreme best case outcome. And like, that's not how his profiles looked here in the majors, uh, especially this year. His strikeout rate is over 25%. His walk rate's only like 5%. So that's, you know, near the bottom of the league in terms of drawing walks. It could change. Uh, and, you know, he could he could go on a walking streak. We, we, see, we see that happen sometimes where... Uh, players play discipline suddenly looks a lot better. I don't know. The fact that he actually didn't hit for much power last year, eh, I I don't know. He seems pretty marginal at a deep position to me. I'd rather have him than Austin Riley, I guess, but I, I think they're in the same category in terms of how rostered they should be. The issue for Bohm last year was that he had a very high ground ball rate, 53%. 
it's pretty similar so far this season. 49%, he is hitting the ball harder, and his expected numbers look a little bit better. So if you own Alec Boehm, I think you should keep him in the lineup. Those counting stats still look pretty good, and I would bet on the batting average bouncing back based on what he showed in the minors and what he did last year as well. He's not going to hit 338 like he did last year, but I certainly think he's better than a 219 hitter. I guess it's kind of weird to put Joey Gallo in this conversation because he's... I guess he's been better recently. He's not technically struggling right now. He was struggling before his last six games where he has six hits during that span, including two home runs. He's now up to four home runs on the season for Joey Gallo. But his batted ball data, Scott, is just all over the place. He's got a 39.6% ground ball rate. That's by far the highest of his career. 36% fly ball rate, by far the lowest. So, And his... Just his quality of contact, StatCats, usually Joey Gallo's up there, you know, just hitting the ball as hard as anybody. That's really not the case this year. So I don't know that I can say for certain that he's going to bounce back and be Joey Gallo that we've seen. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of been a weird season for him. Yeah. I mean, he is the face of high variance to me. Yes. So he could hit seven home runs the next two weeks and suddenly his numbers look a million times better. And probably he's a sell high at that point, right? So, I, I mean, it, 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 to me, there's not really much benefit into digging into the stat cast data or the batted ball data or anything like that because it's just, okay, clearly clearly he's not on the right side of, of Streaky right now. I'd feel more confident if, you know, the 60 games last year, he had a single hot stretch. But we knew going into last year, too, that that, that was probably going to play out one of two ways for Joey Gallo. Even either he was going to hit 25 home runs in those 60 games, or he was going to hit however many he ended up hitting. And uh, unfortunately, it was the the latter end. So I don't know. I mean, you know what you're getting into drafting Gallo. You're probably counting on him for a ton of home runs. If you're high in the home run rankings, even with as little as he's done so far, maybe you can afford to sit him till he shows signs of coming around. But Otherwise, you know, talking a roto league, a five outfielder league, I think you just leave him there and uh, and trust in what you paid for. The last name I wanted to mention here was Max Kepler. He hit his first home run of the season on Thursday. However, he's batting 200. He did test positive for COVID, so that could definitely be affecting him. But I, I feel like we're just kind of holding on to this 2019 season, Scott, for Max Kepler, where he had this 855 OPS, 36 home runs. Sure, fine, it was great. He's been eight, uh, 760 OPS or less every other season. He can hit lefties. He's still 91% rostered. and Maybe you give him the benefit of the doubt. He's better in points leagues, but I just kind of feel like we're, we're overvaluing him based on that 2019 when there was a juice ball. Well, maybe. It was like he had nine home runs in 48 games last year. So that's about a 30-homer pace, right? But he did it with a... I think oh, it was, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, about a 30-homer pace. What were you saying? He did it with a 760 OPS, which is, you know, it's yeah, it's just man. Yeah. The batting average was low. Uh, he puts a ton of balls in the air. So he's not, he's a low BABIP guy. That's what he's kind of more developed into over the years in order to maximize his power potential. Uh, I don't know. It's really hard to assess. It's really hard to assess. 2020, we've seen so many players bounce back from 2020 like it was nothing, like just completely rendered the, the 2020 number, the 2020 stat line obsolete to the point that a player like this is like, okay, so we're, we're saying the 2020 stat line matters for Kepler, but it doesn't matter for, uh, for I don't know, 
Carlos Correa or whoever you want to point to who had an awful 2020 season. And then you got the added uh, impact of him missing time with uh, COVID-19 and we're not giving him a pass for that. Look, I'm not saying Max Kepler is undroppable in the three outfielder league. I think, yeah. I think that's fine. But I'm not ready to write him off either. I, I suspect from today forward, he'll perform at about a 30 homer pace, probably with an out, uh, a batting average south of 250. But I guess I'm saying, I think if you drop Kepler now, well, it's totally fine in three outfielder league. You got alternatives. He's not, he's probably not going to be a high end player. At some point, somebody else will want to pick up Max Kepler because I think he will have a stretch that puts him back in that conversation. Did you know both Marcus Semien and Bo Bichette each have seven home runs and six stolen bases so far this season, which puts them, that is a pace of 35 homers and 30 steals over the course of 150 games. So I know we had some concerns whether or not Bo Bichette was going to run as much as other people did when, you know, he's being drafted in the second, you know, early third round in, in category leagues. But he's running, and so is Marcus yeah. Semien so far as well. So uh, I've, I've been completely wrong about Marcus Semien. I kind of just thought he was another one where he was just overvalued because of that 2019 season. But he's looked really good thus far, and now he's leading off, or he was at least leading off on Thursday for the Toronto Blue well, Jays. So it's a really good spot to be in. I mean, it, it's a weird, Semien's a weird one to break down because prior to the four-hit game today, he was hitting, what, like 220? And had been there from the start. He, I mean, obviously having seven home runs, six stolen bases at this stage of the season, it's yeah. really good pace he's on for those counting stats. That's and, the biggest uh, thing, Scott, is that even with a lower batting average, he was still giving you so many counting stats, you know? Well, okay, but if he continues to do it, I mean, his expected stats are about as low as it gets. Like, it's it's a Calvin Biggio situation. <laughs> yeah. 199 One, expected batting average. Yeah, and, and, and a 402 expected slug. So... You know, I'm not saying he can't outperform those. They're not gospel, obviously, but that's what the data says he should have. His number should look like right now. And uh, I don't know. He he outperformed them in the in the one season that really matters, 2019. So maybe he will again. But I, I think there's still reason to have skepticism for Simeon. And if you want to consider him a sell high, obviously the emphasis is on the high, as always. It's not on the sell. Not just trying to dump him. Plenty, plenty of reason to keep starting him right now. But I don't know. I don't know that we can count on him sustaining this pace. Some leftovers from Thursday. Quickly mention: Happy birthday to Jose Altuve. Went two for five with a three-run home run against my Bronx Bombers. Yordan Alvarez had three hits and a double dong himself. He's batting three thirty-seven. John Carlos Stanton extended his hitting streak to twelve games with his ninth home run of the season. It was his third straight game. With a home run, Jamer Candelario has back-to-back three-hit games. He's batting 298 and is 53% rostered. Now, that's a guy I wanted to talk about, Candelario, okay. um, because his batting average is up to... 298. 298. Yep. 298 now, and that was after hitting over 300 last year. Now, if you look at the StatCast data for him, it's it's you know not as bad as Simeon because it doesn't get much worse than Simeon, but it, it shows him hitting 230-something. Candelario for the season. But I, you know, going a little old school here. I'm looking at line drive rate for Candelario. Scott, hold on. I, you can't do that, man. It's it's StatCast or nothing nowadays. Well, <laughs> I, I can. I can and I will. 
Because Candelario's line drive rate is uh, is approaching thirty percent, which is unbelievable. That's like that's where you see like Freddie Freeman and and Whit Merrifield. That's the best kind of line drive rates in the league. And obviously, line drives are the sort of hits are, are the sort of batted balls that are most likely to result in hits uh, by I think pretty considerable margin. And uh, that's how you get a three seventy ish BABIP or whatever Candelario is working with right now. Is you hit that many line drives. Line drive rate was good last year too. Better this year, but you know the the two year trend of being a good line drive hitter has me thinking maybe he can be a good batting average source. And uh, it wasn't just a fluke last year, despite what Statcast is saying. Uh, what kind of XBA Statcast is giving him now? Nick Gordon, former first round pick for the Minnesota Twins, way back when in 2014. Had played in appeared in his first major league game on Thursday. He went one for two with a walk and two steals. Luis Arise is on the seven day concussion IL. So eh, just remember the name in deepest leagues, Nick Gordon. If you play in AL only category leagues, you might actually want to pick him up. Uh, Cesar Hernandez has seven hits over his last five games, including a home run. Randall Grichuk went two for five with his sixth homer of the season. He's batting 306 with an 858 OPS. 67% rostered is Grichuk and should play every day with George Springer out once again. The call to the pen on Thursday for the Red Sox. Adam Adovino picked up his first save with Matt Barnes pitching the previous two days. Taylor Rogers was used in the eighth inning in a tie game, but was facing two lefties. He struck out the side. For the Mets, Edwin Diaz allowed two hits, picked up his fourth save. Yimi Garcia got his fifth save. Will Smith got his seventh for the Braves. And for Cleveland, in a four-zip game, James Karinczak came in the eighth inning. He faced 9-1-2-3. And, and Emmanuel Class A pitched in the ninth. Streamers for the weekend, Scott, your favorite part of the podcast. Let's start with Friday. Choose three of these names. Zach Davies versus the Pirates. Wade Miley at Cleveland. David Peterson versus Arizona. Uh, Matt Shoemaker at the Tigers, Mike fulton versus the Mariners, and Anthony DiSclefani versus the Padres. Okay. Don't love it. Don't love any of it. Don't love any of it at all. Uh, okay. I mean, I guess I'm going to recommend DiSclefani just because I think he's the best pitcher. Don't feel good about it, though. Um, Wade Miley at Cleveland. No, you know what? David Peterson versus Arizona. Desclafani versus San Diego. Peterson versus Arizona. And then Wade Miley at Cleveland. I do like Wade Miley an okay amount. That's that's how I'll, that's how I'll phrase it. Uh, for Saturday, Carlos Martinez versus the Rockies in St. Louis. Trevor Williams versus the Pirates in a revenge game. Garrett Richards at the Orioles. Daniel Lynch versus the White Sox. Vince Velasquez at the Braves. And Adrian Hauser at the Marlins. I'm going to start including the White Sox in here because... Their lineup is pretty depleted now. I would go with Carlos Martinez versus the Rockies, though that's really mostly about the matchup. I know he's had some good starts recently, but I'm not buying into Carlos Martinez in general. I'll go with Garrett Richards at Baltimore. Actually, I think I like him a little more than Martinez. Richards at Baltimore, Martinez versus Colorado, and the third will be Williams versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was eyeing Williams or Hauser. Which one is Scott going to go yeah. with? <laughs> For Sunday, Nick Pavetta at the Orioles, Eric Lauer at the Marlins, Adam Wainwright versus the Rockies, Tyler Anderson at the Cubs. Cubs. Yep, 
um, Cole Irvin versus Tampa Bay and Johnny Cueto versus the Padres. So I'm not really buying into Irvin either. I'll go Adam Wainwright versus the Rockies, number one. Nick Pavetta at Baltimore, number two. And number three, Tyler Anderson at the Cubs. Let's wrap up the week, Scott, with some fantasy justice for all. This is replacing formerly known as the Regulators segment that you guys used to do here on the podcast. We can no longer play the Regulators music for copyright reasons. But if you're having an issue with your league, commissioner, it, it's not fantasy related, right? It's not, oh, do I make this trade, blah, blah, blah. It's you know something weird that's going on in your league. Email us, put fantasy justice in the subject line. So let's serve it up, Scott. This one's from People's Court here. <laughs> this one's from David, the commissioner of our league. Two weeks into the season, dropped Anthony Rizzo when he was playing like hot garbage. I instantly put in a waiver pick for him. Two hours and seventeen minutes later, my waiver pick, my waiver pickup was gone, and he was magically back on his team and never mentioned anything to the league. I pointed it out, and he claims he never dropped him, and it would have to had been an accident. So he re-added him to his team. This is the process he would have would have needed to do to, quote, accidentally drop him. Unlock his phone via face ID or passcode, scroll and find Yahoo app, click into app, click my team, find Rizzo, click Rizzo's name, go to the bottom of the screen, click drop, confirm you want to drop Rizzo. I should also mention he is notorious for sketchy trades. What should we do? Oh, that, that's added information. Because I, I was going to say... You know, I don't know how long this league has been exist- in existence, how long this guy's been commissioner. But something you really have to keep in mind and as a commissioner is, like, you need to be squeaky clean. Like, you need you need to never be put yourself in a position where you're going to be accused of of using your commissioner powers to benefit yourself. So that, when you make an honest mistake, the league actually believes it's an honest mistake because it's... It's it's too easy to to think it's not if if you have if you haven't developed that reputation of being an honorable commissioner. Uh, I think accidental drops happen. The process you described there with the phone and everything. I mean, not everybody plays fantasy on their phone, and I mean, you don't know what's going on in their head when they're like they may be absentmindedly clicking things, thinking about something else, and they they meant to drop another Anthony, like Anthony Desclafani or something, and they were just you know, distracted while they were doing it and click the wrong guy. Like, I, I think that can totally happen. But you're saying this guy has a reputation for being kind of sketch anyway. It doesn't help. I don't know what you can really do about it. Um, I think you and your league mates should go protest outside of his house until he, <laughs> until he drops Anthony Rizzo or trades him to uh, somebody else. Yeah, I, I mean... This is pretty sketchy, man. You, this is you sketchy. have to... All you can do is gather a group of people who are as frustrated with you are and and petition for a change in commissioner and and you know see if he goes for it and and somebody will have to want to step up and do it because commissioner's pretty thankless job you know you know the 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 ultimate the ultimate card to play is all right I'm out of the league but then you don't get to play in the league anymore so you gotta you gotta decide how how much. How much it bothers you, I guess. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but... Sketchy, man. Yeah. You got to do something about that because even... 
as a commissioner myself in multiple leagues, I would I would just have a guilty conscience if I did something like that. You know, like I agree with you, Scott. You have to be squeaky clean. You can't you just can't do stuff like this if you're the commissioner. It's it's not right. So get him out. This one's from Joel. I have been chopping around Anthony Rizzo in my league. I have too many good bats. I had an owner. Let's call him Murray. Agreed to a trade for him over text. Then later he pulled back and asked for a lower price. I reluctantly agreed to the new lower price. Then he pulled back again asking for Corbin Burns to be added to the deal at no additional cost. I am frustrated at Murray for not honoring his word. When twice we had a deal agreed upon. My league has a three strikes and you're out policy for fantasy managers. Usually relating to uh, managers remaining active. Should this count as a strike for Murray? No, no, I, I don't think a deal is agreed to until until the deal is clicked on and accepted until it you know actually goes through. That's bad. That that's bad fantasy etiquette, though, Scott. That is no. I agree. I I agree. You're you're this guy is making it so you don't want to trade with him next time. So that that's that's the consequence for him is you're you're not going to be as motivated to do a deal with him next time because you. Because he's going to be flaky like this, but it, it's not technically a violation for him to do it. It's just, it's just annoying. Yep, I agree. I don't think it should be a strike for that person in your league for Murray. Let's call him. But yeah, it's bad fantasy etiquette. Fantasy karma is coming his way. I will say that fantasy karma is a real thing. You do something like this, something bad is going to happen to your team. I've I've seen it happen way too many times in my life. So. Uh, <laughs> no strikes All there, but it's uh, it's bad. This last one's from Tony. As a 20-year player of fantasy baseball, I've finally hit my breaking point. Please tell me if I'm being a fantasy snob or if I am justified. We are in a fairly deep league. 12 teams, 5 outfielders, 8 pitchers, 3 IL spots. Should give you a decent basis. A player in our league has dropped 14 of their first 20 picks and 7 of those were their first 10 picks. Half of those drops happened after week one and two. He has dropped the likes of Glaber Torres to pick up Jose Iglesias. He dropped Kyle Hendricks to pick up Kyle Gibson. Jesus Lozardo to pick up Jay Happ. Giancarlo Stanton to pick up Avisael Garcia. I believe this is a real issue because his drops are saving other teams' rosters. No one seems to care except myself. The stance is he paid his money so he can do what he wants. If this was football and someone dropped Aaron Rodgers for Drew Locke after week one, they would lose their friggin' minds. <laughs> so you're saying they don't know fit baseball as well? Is that what you're saying? Maybe. Uh, they, they take fantasy football more seriously. You should take fantasy baseball more seriously, for goodness sakes. It's a bigger investment and um, less reliant on luck. But anyway... <sighs> this is kind of tough because I do... On one hand, I agree that if this person paid money and... These are the moves that they want to make, even though, I mean, you see what Don Carlos Stanton is doing now. Mm -hmm. You know, who are we to say? It's If this person winds up winning the league, doing this, and just riding the hot hand all season, then all the power to them. But yeah, no, you, I under, yeah, you I are agree. making other teams better by allowing them to pick up someone like Stanton. It doesn't reflect well on the quality of the league. Like, you shouldn't just invite anybody to play in your fantasy baseball league. I understand I have an endless pool of potential players to draw from and not everybody's in that situation but like don't invite him back next year that's yeah I, I mean I don't know is it his first year playing and he's gonna learn some lessons like you know maybe he'll turn out to be a great fantasy player if that's the case and he's just taking his lumps now 
So you got to keep that in mind too, but yeah, you, you got to let him make his mistakes. And, um, I, I don't know. I try, try to find a league with more, uh, more seasoned players in it. If you don't want to encounter this again, I don't think you could do anything about it, but yeah, look, if, if he keeps helping other people win and his team is terrible, come the end of season, kick him out. He's gone. Alrighty. I think justice has been served. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com.